Tell you, so I, I can't even imagine the guts that it takes to try to sing anything that Bono has ever sung, much less before lunch. I mean, that is unbelievable. That is up there. Let me tell you, I promise you, that song, I know you're sad I didn't do it for you. That song will be in your head the rest of this week. I have been walking around with... It's, it's an incredible, incredible... How are you today? Good, good. Mm. You know, I am, I'm pretty sure that Bono alone would even attempt, much less 
be able to pull off naming a song pride in the name of love that, that doesn't even make any sense if you think about it love is completely selfless love is patient and kind it is not jealous or boastful proud or rude it does not seek its own way it does not keep a record of wrongs it is the exact opposite of pride but if you know a little bit more about the origins of that song then the irony of the title actually starts to make a little more sense it was 1984 and for those of you scoring at home that was 35 years ago how many of you remember when that song was on the radio how many of you remember when that song was on a cassette tape <laughs> anyway 1984 Bono set out originally to write a song as a political statement but he wasn't really happy with the way the song was coming out and playing out and so he started actually to kind of toy with the concept and the idea that love rather than political change that love has always been the greatest agent of change the world has ever known not not the only agent of change but the greatest agent of change and that's what led him to highlight the lives of of Jesus and Martin Luther King throughout that song I think the the last lines of that last verse really kind of say it all for this song he says free at last they took your life but they could not take your pride they could not take your pride now I really believe that this song is the perfect way for us to put a bow on this teaching series that we're wrapping up today that has been the gospel according to rock and roll and I'll explain why that is in, in just a moment but I want to take just a really quick second and, and tell you that it's also it just so happens the perfect way for us to tee up what's going to happen around here next weekend as 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 a country we we honor memorial day we observe memorial day a week from tomorrow next sunday in our services we are going to have a special recognition for memorial day now memorial day of course is the day that our nation has set aside to honor those who have paid the ultimate price those who have laid down their lives on the battlefield for the freedoms that you and I enjoy day in and day out. So you, you should never say to somebody, Happy Memorial Day! Because it's, it's not a happy day, but we commemorate, we honor those who have laid down their lives as American soldiers. And as a church, I want to show you kind of what's going on. I want to make sure that everybody understands what we're doing and why we're doing it. I want to ask you, if you will, take out the program that you got when you came in, just real quick. Just real quick. Everybody take out the program. It looks like this. And on the back panel of the program, you'll see a thing that says Memorial Day with Lake Hills Church. We are selling these flags that are going to go out on our campus, the proceeds of which will be used to make a donation from Lake Hills Church to America's Mighty Warriors, a nonprofit that we partner with that was started by Debbie Lee. Debbie Lee's son, Mark Lee, was the first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq in 2006. Debbie was here with us last Memorial Day. And we have partnered with America's Mighty Warriors as they seek to serve the families of fallen soldiers and to help veterans 
re-engaging after deployment. It is an incredible organization. I have the honor of being on the board of directors for America's Mighty Warriors. And as a church, we partner with them to help those families, to help those veterans as they need it over and over again. So that's why we're doing that. On your way out today, you can make a donation. You can get some flags, buy some flags that will go on our campus. But that's what that is all about as we honor those who have followed in the words of Jesus who said greater love has no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends and so that's why we do this that's why we're honoring them next weekend now I said just a second ago that the U2 song pride in the name of love is the perfect way for us to wrap up this series and the reason that I say that is that over this series we've kind of plumbed the depths of the gospel the realities and the facts of the good news of Jesus but one of the things that we have not done throughout this series is to examine what our response to the gospel ought to be we, we haven't really and truly stepped back and said this reality of the gospel requires a response so as followers of Christ as people who maybe are thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus what is the response to the gospel look like what is that response that the gospel actually requires and the the words of you two's song that, that keep getting repeated one man come in the name of love one man come and go one man washed up on the beach one man betrayed by a kiss these lyrics actually echo scripture in Romans chapter 5 the Bible goes into great detail about the one man Jesus and I'm going to encourage you if you have your Bible look in Romans chapter 5 and as you're looking that up I'm going to give you a little bit of context because if you've never read through the book of Romans it is a piece of intellectual genius it, this is essentially inspired by the Holy Spirit of God this is the Apostle Paul's PhD dissertation on the Christian faith and Paul lays out in painstaking detail the facts, the rationale, and the logic that support the Christian faith. And in Romans chapter 5, he's comparing and contrasting the one man, Adam, with the one man, Jesus. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. He says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So when a person places their faith in Jesus, it's not just about one day going to heaven. It's about the right here and the right now. It's about living in triumph over sin and death I want you to look at your neighbor and with passion and enthusiasm because you're here at the 11 o'clock service and you've been properly caffeinated tell your neighbor get your triumph on now some of y'all actually believe that to, to get your triumph on means that you will actually actually live in triumph you will live in victory over sin and death now my guess is that most of you are like your pastor 
we, we all kind of have some recurring hang-ups, some recurring habits, some recurring sins that tend to repeatedly rear their ugly heads in our lives. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to call out what yours is. Don't tell me what your neighbor's is if you happen to know it. We all understand what this is like. The Bible actually says that we return to our sin like a dog returns to its vomit. Now, it's, that's not a lovely image, but I think it communicates. How many of you are dog people in the room? Can I just see a show of hands? If, you, if you're a dog person, you know what this is like. You, you, and, and, and let's be honest, there's a part of you when your dog does this, and every dog will do it at some point. When your dog does it, you're like, ooh, and then you're like, yeah, but he is cleaning it up. I was telling this story one time at a, at a children's camp I was speaking at, very young pastor, and I was early in my ministry, and I was telling this story and trying to explain to the kids, had a, had a, a pavilion full of elementary school kids, it was an open-air pavilion in East Texas in July. It's like a living example of hell, you just don't, you don't want to be there, but I was telling this story about a dog returning to his vomit, and I told the story about how one time when I had been on a boat a couple of years earlier, I had gotten seasick and and I was kind of embellishing the story I was telling the truth but I was kind of you know a little artistic license and kind of and as I was telling the story and kind of you know like I said illustrating what was going on this this kid in the front row as I was going, this kid in the front row just yacked projectile vomited all over my flip-flop clad feet now here here's what there was part, I was like, that is so gross. But then I thought, I am a great communicator. <laughs> but that, that, that night on the, that day on the boat where I was so sick, I, I, how many of you have ever been seasick on a boat? You know what I'm talking about? That is the woat on a boat. Worst of all time. Well, we were all kind of down in the well of the boat, and the captain was up in a crow's nest. It was kind of a deep sea fishing vessel, and he looked down and saw us all just kind of, and he goes, hey, you know how to cure that seasickness? And all of us with, with hope, how? He goes, rub your back against an oak tree. <laughs> I hated that man for a long time. But I confessed it and moved on. But, man, isn't it true? Isn't it true? Just, just from your own experience that what the Bible says is real. That we will return to our sin just over and over and over again. What, why do we do that? Why? The difference between us and a dog is that Jesus Christ through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Jesus is the one who cleans up the mess. We can't clean it up on our own. Jesus is the one who gives us the power to live in triumph over sin. And in the time that we've got left, I think it's important for us to understand how that happens. What that looks like, there are three steps that have to happen and they they happen over and over again but there is absolutely a process to our progress 
There, there is a, there's a method to our movement spiritually. You see, there's no such thing as 28 days to spiritual fulfillment and maturity. That does not exist. It is minute by minute, choice by choice, day by day, year by year, growing from one experience to the next in a relationship with God. Three things that, that I want us to, to really, really own out of this message today. Number one, if you've got your Bibles, look in John chapter 17, verse 3. This is where the process of our progress begins. We, we've, we've touched on a lot of this already throughout this series, but it's too important for us to leave out on this last installment. John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus is praying, and he says, This is the way to have eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. The first step in our process is to know God know God now that may seem kind of elementary to you but if it seems elementary to you it's because you don't understand the significance of that word to know God in the original Greek the language that the New Testament was written in that verb to know God is the same verb that is used to describe the relational interaction between husband and wife one man, one woman for life, becoming one, united together. This is, this is a level of intimacy that on the human realm is preserved and protected only in the context of covenant marriage. But it is absolutely possible in a relationship with God. Now, a lot of you know about my wife Julie you you know who she is you know about her you know she's from Mississippi you know she is a godly woman you know she's beautiful you know that she's funny you know that she's the smartest person I've ever met you know about her but I know Julie I have spent 28 blissful years I'm just going to tell you, I've done the work. I know Julie. I know her strengths. If she had any, I would know her weaknesses. I know her insecurities. I know her love languages. I know that she likes quality time and acts of service. She doesn't really care about gifts. She'll take them. But, but I, I've, been, I've been paying attention, Jack. I, I know Julie in a way that you will never know Julie in a way that you better never know <laughs> Julie but here's the amazing thing because I've done the work I get the blessing that none of you will ever know you may know about it you'll hear me describe it you'll see the reflection of it in my face but you'll never know the blessing of knowing Julie the way I do. You know, we, we, th this, is, this doesn't just happen. 
by the grace of a very good God, we have a very good thing going on. But I will tell you, I know her. That's the verb being used here in John 17, that you and I can know God. That we can reach a level of, un of unity and intimacy with God that we can't even reach with our spouse. That you may know God. I, I hope that you never, that that never becomes common to you. To know God. Have you ever been around somebody who's a name dropper? Have you ever, you know a name dropper? Aren't they annoying? Just, I mean, I, we love them with the love of the Lord, but we don't want to hang out with them. Oh, that guy on TV? Oh, yeah, oh, I know, I know him. Oh, her, yeah, I know her. I, I was at a party one time in California. We were at the same place, and I remember we were getting our... Awesome. You can know the King of Kings and the Lord of of lords better than your spouse knows you better than you will ever know another person to know God this this level of, of intimacy of connectedness of unity John chapter 17 is Jesus's high priestly prayer it's immediately before he's going to the cross and he's praying He's praying for his disciples, the, his followers. I'm going to read to you a, another passage. You don't have to look at this, look it up or whatever, but just listen to it. Listen to the words of Jesus as he prays. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one united just as you and i lord are one as you are in me father and i am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me you see the last thing jesus prayed for us is that we would be united that we'd be united with him and we'd be united with each other to know god not just to know about him, but to know him. Then, Peter picks up this thread in his letters. And, and, he, and he moves us beyond knowing God. Look at, look at what Peter says. This is in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter is right after 1 Peter in the Bible. Thank you both of y'all who caught that. This is what 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18 says. You already know these things, dear friends. So be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. He's saying, you already know the basics. You, you've already understood the essential realities of the gospel. Hang on to those things so that you don't lose your footing. But you must continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So it begins with no God, and it continues as we grow in grace and truth. Grace and truth. You see, what we believe, what we know to be true about Jesus really matters. Never forget the fact that you and I were created in the image of God. Where we get sideways is when we try to create God in the image of our choosing. We're created in the image of God. The image of God does not change. The character, the personality, the righteousness, the holiness, the goodness, those things are constant. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we must grow in the knowledge of the grace and truth of Jesus. Jesus, who perfectly embodies both grace and truth at all times. Most of us will tend to lean one way or the other. Some of us kind of lean towards grace. Others of us kind of lean towards truth. If you're a truth leaner, then you're one of those people, you like rules. You like lists. And you like to know where things stand. And you also like to know that other people know where things stand. Those are people who kind of lean towards truth. People who lean towards grace, we're, kind of, we're, we're much more forgiving. We're much more, as you say, oh, but, you know, they tried so hard. We're going to grade everybody on a curve. Don't worry about the truth part of it over here. Jesus never wavers on perfectly meshing and merging both grace and truth. I think the clearest example of this was when Jesus was confronted one day by the religious intelligentsia, those, the self-appointed watchdogs, they were, they were the truth keepers. They were, they were the ones who, who made sure everybody told the line. And the Bible says that one day they, they caught a woman in the act of adultery and threw her at Jesus' feet as an object lesson. I think it's fascinating that the man she was committing adultery with is never mentioned. That's a whole other sermon, but I just wanted to point it out. So they throw this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery in front of Jesus, and they say, okay, rabbi, you've been talking all about forgiveness and grace. The law of Moses says we should stone her. She should be executed for committing adultery. What do you say? And the Bible is such an incredible picture. The Bible says that Jesus just kind of knelt down and and he just kind of doodled in the dirt a little bit. He just, we don't know what he wrote. Some people have, have guessed and, and suggested that maybe he was writing down the names of all the accusers who were there. I don't know that that's true or not. It's just an interesting thought. And he said, you're right. The, the law, the old covenant, does require stoning. Go ahead. But the first rock gets thrown by the first man who has never committed any sin at all. Isn't that great? How, I mean, I love me some Jesus. 
And, and the Bible says, adds an interesting fact. It says that they one by one dropped their rocks and began to depart from the oldest to the youngest. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it true that the, the youngest among us, the least mature, are typically the most dogmatic? The old ones knew that they didn't have a leg to stand on. It took the younger ones a little longer to figure it out, to humble themselves and drop their stones, their rocks, and leave. But the story doesn't end there. Because Jesus then begins to speak to this woman. And the Bible says that he says to her, Woman, who accuses you? And understand, when he says woman, this is a term of respect in that day and age. It wasn't like, woman! It was just like, like dear woman, who accuses you? And she said, no one, sir. And then Jesus said, neither do I. That's the grace. He said, I'm not here to, to condemn you. I'm not here to accuse you. That's, that's the fullness of God's grace. But then Jesus said this. He said, go and sin no more. That's the truth. He didn't discount her sin. He didn't water it down and go, oh, well, I know that you had a tough childhood and you've just been looking for love in all the wrong places. He said, no. Go and sin no more. The truth is that sin will wreck your life. We don't do anybody any favors by watering down the truth. But neither do we do anybody any favors by ignoring the amazing grace of God that we all need. And Jesus perfectly captures that. So we grow in the knowledge of grace and truth. We grow in the knowledge, and we grow in the knowledge through multiple channels. First of all, we, we grow in the knowledge of grace and truth as a part of the family of faith, as a part of the body of Christ. This, this, is, this is where we begin to learn that. Peter says, you already know these things, dear friends. Dear friends. Dear friends is not just people you pass on the sidewalk once a week. Dear friends are people that you are committed to, people who are committed to you. So the, the church, which, by the way, we, we've got a next steps class right after this service. I just wanted to point that out. But the church, the church is one of the primary vehicles that God uses to teach us for us to grow in grace and truth. The, another vehicle that God uses is Scripture. To, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ means we have to know what's true. We have to know what's real about Jesus as it's revealed to us in the Bible. The Word of God, it is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing both marrow and joint. That, that means that the Bible cuts through the clutter of life. The Bible tells us what's real and what's true. We also grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through prayer. Prayer, just opening our hearts and our minds, communicating with God, talking to God, journaling our prayers, just doing the work 
of prayer consistently, regularly, daily. Julie and I, for the last, I don't know how long, we start every morning with a cup of coffee together. And, and we don't solve the world's problems. A lot of times we just sit there. But we're together. How'd you sleep? So good. How about you? Still good. Well, what do you have today? And we just kind of, that's just kind of how we start. The more we start on the same page, we get on the same page. Now, sometimes we get sideways, but, but we start there. Prayer is getting on the same page with God. One of the best prayers you can pray is to pray Scripture. As you study, as you learn the Bible, pray it back to God. Go to Psalms and, and look at the prayers that are written down and recorded by the Holy Spirit of God. Make them your own. Prayer. But there, there's one more vehicle for growth. One more thing that's really important. Obedience. There's a lot of spiritual maturity and growth that will never happen apart from obedience. Apart from submitting your life to the authority and the sovereignty of God Almighty. To, to surrender to Him. There, there's a lot of the things of God that you will never understand until you practice them, until you do them. I can't understand why God... A lot of times the reasons I don't understand is because I haven't done it yet. Obedience. And you take the church, prayer, scripture, and obedience and you practice those things on a regular basis for the purposes of relationship, you will discover a level of understanding and a level of wisdom and practical insight for living that just works that you never even dreamed of. So we grow in grace and truth. But God's not done with us yet. So we, we, we know God. We grow in grace and truth. But, but check this out. I, I want to go back to this passage from John 17. John 17, Jesus said again, I'm praying not only for these disciples, those who were there with him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You and me. I don't think we ought to just skate past the fact that Jesus... The Son of the living God prayed for us. Jesus prayed for you, for me, for anyone who would follow him because of the message of those apostles, those disciples there with him. I pray that they will all be one. They'll be united in the body of Christ. They'll be a part of the church just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So, know God, grow in grace and truth, but ultimately, this is about you and me choosing to go and make a difference. Go and make a difference. If you think being a part of the church 
is showing up once a week <laughs> that's cute that is really cute it's just wrong the church is a gift from God the body of Christ we, we have fellowship we have unity we have encouragement we have growth we have accountability we have partnership but all of those things are byproducts that's that's dessert the main course for the church is to be the body of Christ in a world that is dying for the amazing grace of God that's why we're here so go make a difference when we say invite somebody to church when we say invite somebody to church it's not just so somebody else will walk in the door pour some coffee clap at the songs it's because when you invite somebody they will encounter the risen Lord we will introduce them to Jesus this, this is tag team evangelism you're up go make a difference Jesus prayed this prayer that we would be united as he and the father are united so that the world would believe so that the world would believe that God himself had sent God his son so that your friends your family your neighbors my my neighbors people you work out with the co-workers believe and because they believe in Jesus they would never die but they would have eternal life that begins right here and right now now I, I don't know where you are this morning I don't know where you are on that continuum maybe maybe right now you you know God really well you're, you're intimately acquainted with him that's a great place to be it, it's a great place to be because of the peace the purpose the the motivation the sense of urgency that that intimacy with God brings but it's also a great place to be because there's always more of God to discover You'll, we, we will never get to the bottom of an infinite God. Isn't that great? There's always more. On the other hand, you may be here and you're just kind of checking things out. You're like, what is this Jesus thing all about? And, and ultimately, it's about relationship. It's a relationship that is built on facts, but it's a relationship. That means it takes trust. It, it requires faith, just like any relationship you have in your life right now. And the good news of Jesus is that he has made himself available and accessible. Accessible. That, that means that a relationship with God is attainable not by anything that you can do but by what Christ has already done 
through the cross and his resurrection. I, I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment. And in this moment, if, if God's kind of stirring in your life, in your mind, in your heart, we want to give you the opportunity to respond to his prompt. To, to step into that relationship by placing your trust in Christ. To begin a lifelong and eternity-long relationship. If you're here and you've already done that, I want to invite you and just ask you to be praying with everything that you've got. Maybe for that person that you invited or the one who's around you. But if you haven't prayed that prayer, if you haven't made that beginning, then we invite you to do it right now. Just right where you're sitting to silently just talk to God. Just pray. From your heart to his, silently say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. And I want a relationship with you. So right now, I confess my sin to you. I confess my sin in order to claim to receive your grace and forgiveness. I choose to believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. And so right here, right now on May the 19th 2019 in exchange for your life I give you mine and I will follow you from this moment forward with everything I have Lord I pray this prayer in your name I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for a moment but if that was your prayer we want you to know that this is the biggest moment of your life and as a church as a family of faith we want to help with what comes next because this is literally just the beginning and so in order for us to help I want to ask you to do just a couple of things if you would if you would, just right where you're sitting, take out the program that you got when you came in. Open it up inside to the Connect card. And just begin filling that out right now. Just contact information, your name, and just below that space, you'll see there's a place to indicate, I committed my life to Christ this week. If you will, indicate there. And, and once you've completed this card, you can just tear it off along the fold there it's perforated for you and before you leave when we dismiss in just a minute or two if you will just fold that up and hand it to one of our ushers one of our hosts or you can drop it with one of the folks who are at the hub out underneath the big front porch out here 
But that just starts a conversation, like I said, so that we can help with what comes next because this is just the beginning for you. The second thing I want to ask you to do as our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up high in the air for a second. Unmistakably, no doubt about it, as a physical statement of the spiritual commitment that you just made. And know that as a family with you, man, we, we honor that and celebrate that. You can go ahead and put your hands down, but we're going to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.